please open your Bibles with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And today we will be reading from verse 1 through 18. But we'll be focusing this morning on verse 1 through 5. In the evening we'll look at verse 6 through 8 of the same. John chapter 1, we'll read from verse 1 through 18. We'll be focusing in on verse 1 through 5 this morning. Hear the word of the Lord. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side he has made him known. Let's pray. Lord God, we pray that as we study your word today, that you would teach us through it of the preeminence of Christ, his glory, the wonder we should have, how we should all recognize, proclaim, and trust in his name alone. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, around the beginning of COVID, back in 2020, just as everything began to shut down, I decided I was going to surprise my family by flying home and meeting with them uh, when they did not expect me there. It was rather a fun surprise. I bought the tickets, flew all the way home, uh, took a taxi to their house, snuck in their house, and then walked into the kitchen and said, so what's for lunch? It was, it was uh, quite a joy to see the surprise on their faces. But as you can imagine, even though 
I was, they expected that I would be thousands of miles away. As soon as they saw me, they recognized who I was. They knew immediately, this is Elijah, this is our son. And so they received me with joy. Now imagine for a second what would have happened if they had not recognized me. If they had not seen who I was, what would the, how would they receive me? What would their response be to someone sneaking into their house and randomly saying, what's for lunch? I imagine that anyone would be scared, quite possibly angry, would get uh, a weapon to defend themselves. Well, brothers and sisters, we come here to the very beginning of John's work. And he begins to teach who is this Christ. And today we'll be taking from the Lord's Supper. And part of the Lord's Supper, part of the reason we take the Lord's Supper is to proclaim the death the resurrection of Jesus Christ, proclaim that we belong to Christ, that he is ours and we are his, that we receive him, that we belong to him. The question we need to ask ourselves then this morning is, who is it that we proclaim? Who is it that we proclaim when we take the Lord's Supper? Do we truly know the Christ that we proclaim? Do we truly recognize him, receive him? Do we know him for who he is? Or do we consider him to be something less, as much of the world does? The passage before us here presents Christ. It presents Christ in all his preeminence. John bombards us with declaration after declaration after declaration of who is this Christ that we proclaim. Eternal, divine, creator, enlightener. John, in this first impression of Christ, wants you to receive and proclaim him for all his glory even when there are others who fail to do so. Come with me then as we study the preeminence of Christ first in verse 1, in the first half of verse 1, and seeing that Christ is the eternal word. Christ is the eternal word. Look with me at verse 1 in the first half. It says, in the beginning was the word. John uses this title, in the beginning was the word and in these very first uh, words of John, he speaks of Jesus as this word. John is using a bit of a philosophical idea here. He's referring to the thing that gives shape to the universe, that gives order, that gives logic. The Greeks would have recognized this word um, as that which is the ordering principle of the world. Any Greek who would have read this chapter would have said, oh yes, of course, I know the word, that, that which orders things. The Jews, likewise, would have recognized this word, the word, the logos, as the Greek says, uh, 
because the Greeks used this term to speak about the Messiah. And they used this idea to speak of God and all his ordering power. After all, when we go to Genesis 1, what does God say? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and was void, and the Spirit hovered over the surface of the waters. And God said, let there be light. John seeks to bring forward this word of God. Eternal. And he wants to say that this word, Jesus Christ, is the eternal word. How do we know he's talking about Jesus here? Well, verse seven proclaim or verse seventeen, excuse me, proclaims it very clearly. It says in verse seventeen The law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You know he's speaking about Jesus. First thing he proclaims is that Jesus is eternal. In the beginning was the Word. Think of what this means, brothers and sisters. It's easy to say, yes, Jesus is eternal, but what does it mean when we say this? Christ did not come into existence when he was born. On this earth. No, he already existed then. Before Israel was a nation, Christ existed. Before Abraham heard the promise, Christ existed. As he declares in John 8, he says, Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Before Abraham was, I am says Christ. Before Adam and Eve fell, Christ existed. When the world was being laid upon its foundations, Christ existed before, before, before in eternity past. We have mountains that look out that we can see in the background. And we think of these mountains as ancient things, but Christ saw their foundation. God's word is full of proclamations of Christ's eternity. Paul says in Colossians 1 verse 17, He is before all things, speaking of his eternity. The, authors of he- the author of Hebrews quotes Psalm 102, saying it, speaking about Jesus, saying, They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe you will roll them up. Like a garment they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years have no end. Jesus himself declares, Revelation chapter 22, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Perhaps most important of all, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 22 through 31. It's a long passage, but it's worth reading. Please open your Bibles there with me. Proverbs chapter 8. God speaking, and this is, technically, this is wisdom. We might use the word, the word, the logos, speaking himself here. In verse 22 through 31, it says, 
the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills I was brought forth, before he had made the earth with its fields or the first of the dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limits so that its waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabitant world, and delighting in the children of men. Brothers and sisters, Christ is eternal. And if Christ is eternal, there is nothing that he has not seen. When we consider Christ's eternity, it should drive us to humility, to adoration, to proclamation of his name. We think of the elderly as very wise people because they've lived a long time and we give them deference. And the older someone is, the more honor we tend to give them. Every now and then you'll see a newspaper article about someone very old and the events in history that they were present for. But to all events of history, at every moment, Christ can say, I was there. It should cause us to give him the greatest respect and honor. And yet, despite this, the world around us does not recognize or proclaim Christ. At most, they give a lip service to him and speak of him as someone wise, uh, a smart guy, a very kind person. They do not recognize Christ's eternity. Brothers and sisters, when we proclaim Christ, we need to proclaim him as the eternal Christ the eternal word. And yet, as verse 5 here says, the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome, or perhaps better translated, some translations give, has not understood the light. The world does not understand or receive Christ. You look around and you'll see this today. Many, perhaps, even of your friends and family, co-workers, people you deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, at most they speak of Christ as a, a very important person. They don't recognize Christ as the eternal. What about you? When you read from Scripture and when you see John's proclamation here, when you, if you are a confessing member of the church, when you proclaim Christ, do you proclaim as, him as eternal? Christ is worthy of our praise. We go to the second part. We see that Christ is not only eternal, he is also divine. 
Christ is the divine word. Look with me again, verse 1 and 2. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Not only is Christ eternal, he is also divine. How does John speak of Jesus' divinity here? John declares first that Jesus was with God. The same was in the beginning with God, he says. And yet in the same breath, he declares that Jesus Christ is God. What can be said of God the Father can be said of God the Son. They are both divine, though they are separate in the sense that they are not the same person. This is certainly a great mystery, but there is some distinction John is trying to make. Jesus is God, and he is with God. Here we have a proclamation of the Trinity. Jesus is fully divine, but he is not the Father. The Father is not, or is divine, but is not the Word. Consider, brothers and sisters, that when the passage speaks of Christ, when John speaks of Christ, he's not simply referring to some abstract concept out in the ether. Although he's speaking in very grand terms, he's not thinking of Christ as some vague concept, only to be considered by philosophical ideals. John is speaking here of the man that he knows. He is speaking of the man he walked with for three years. The man he spoke with. The man he watched. The man he ate with. The man he, he uh, wandered around Israel with. He's not considering Jesus to be simply some philosophical idea. And yet he has no fear in proclaiming and saying, This word, this eternal word, the one I know, is divine. Jesus Christ is God. He proclaims openly. The divinity of Christ should teach us to submit to and to worship Him. When we take the Lord's Supper, part of what we proclaim is that Jesus Christ died for us. But this does not mean that Jesus Christ is not divine. When we proclaim Christ, brothers and sisters, let us proclaim the Christ who is at the right hand of the Father. The world doesn't recognize this. They perhaps see some faint glimmer. And they say, well, Christ is a, a wise man, a good counselor. But they do not see the light of Christ. They do not see the divinity of Jesus Christ. They will never admit or proclaim him as he is. Even worse, there are some people who call themselves Christians. And yet they insist that Jesus is not truly God. The biggest group today would probably be the Jehovah's Witnesses. There are millions around the world. And they proclaim that Jesus is a God, subservient to God the Father. He's not fully divine. He is not truly God. 
this passage should leave no doubt in our hearts. Jesus is God. Fully, completely. Though He is not the Father, He is at the right hand of the Father, equal in every way. That is what we proclaim when we proclaim Christ. I ask you again then, do you know this word? Do you know Christ, the divine word? Do you proclaim him with your life? Because Christ merits and is worthy of all our praise. In the third place, we see here that Christ is the creator word. Christ is the creator word. If we look at verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. We've seen that Christ is eternal. We've seen that Christ is divine. But here, not only is he eternal, not only is he divine, he is also the creator God. He is the one by whom and through whom all things were made. Scripture likewise proclaims this, as we saw already in Proverbs chapter 8. But elsewhere, Colossians 1 verse 16, By him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him or through him and for him. Hebrews 1 verse 2 declares, In these last days God has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Revelation chapter 4 says, You created all things. By your will they existed and were created. All things made by Christ and through Christ. In fact, it's true to such an extent that this passage doubles down. It says, not only were all things made through him, but nothing which was made was made without him. Whether you love Christ with all your soul, or whether you wish to spit in his eye, Christ made you, brothers and sisters. Everything has their existence in him. You know, we have a tendency to think that we're powerful, to think that we're important. We plumb the depths of the ocean. We strain to see the furthest galaxies. We dig to the depths and stretch to the heights. We reach to know the fundamentals of the universe. We try and put a measuring tape to the breath of God's creation. But Christ is the one who laid it all out. Where we strive to dominate and fail, Christ built. From the smallest particle to the greatest galaxies, all was made by Christ. This demands, too, our humility and our wonder. This demands that we fall on our knees and recognize Him as our eternal, our divine Creator. We should be, when we proclaim Christ, able to say, 
Christ made me. And yet the world does not recognize this. The light shines in the darkness, says verse 5, and yet the darkness understood it not. When we take of the Lord's Supper, we are proclaiming in Christ's death that we belong to Him twofold. Because He made us. More importantly, for the Lord's Supper, because He died for us. Brothers and sisters, when we proclaim Christ, we should proclaim Him as our Creators. As our Creator. Do you proclaim this Christ? We often have a tendency to limit Christ to three or four things. To say, well, Jesus died for me. And that's the end of the story. Jesus also created you, brothers and sisters. So when we proclaim him, let that be our proclamation. Finally, Jesus is enlightening, the enlivening or enlivening word. The enlightening word. If we see in verse 4 and 5, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Christ eternally existed, divine cause of all things. These verses also declare he's the reason we continue to exist. He is the life and the light. Let's examine these two ideas closely. First, Jesus, Jesus Christ is the life. John is not saying that Christ was alive when he says, in him was life. Some people seek to try and narrow this passage down. They say, oh, in him was life. Uh, Jesus was alive. That's not what John is saying here. John has already said that Jesus is existent, alive from eternity past and through eternity future. No, what John is rather saying is that Jesus Christ is the source of life. That Jesus Christ, just as a fountain springs forth water, and, and we receive water from fountains or from, from the, the springs that come out from the ground, in the same way, in Jesus Christ there is life. Outside of Him there is none. Jesus Christ is the spring, the fountainhead, the source of our life. He demonstrated it during his own life on this earth. He raised the daughter of Jairus in Luke chapter 12. He raised Lazarus in John chapter 11 when he'd been dead for several days. Yet greater than all of this, when the world in its hatred and in its scorn, not understanding and yet seeking to overcome him, placed him upon the cross, when Christ breathed his last and was laid in a tomb. On the third day, he conquered death, set death aside, stepped out from the tomb victorious and with a glorified body. And for this reason, Christ declares, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. 
and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. When we take of the Lord's Supper, we are proclaiming his death and by consequence his life until he returns again. And in the second place it says here that Christ is the light. Jesus Christ, the life, the source of the life, so too Christ is the light and the source of all light. All knowledge, all beauty, all moral purity. Even today, when we say that someone is ignorant, we say the person is in the dark about something. When we say that someone is intelligent, we speak of them as enlightened. And when we speak of someone in moral terms, we often use terms of light and dark. This is even seeped into popular culture. So when Jian calls Jesus the light, it should be clear to us that he's saying that just as a spring of water is the source of water, so too Jesus Christ is the source of our understanding. Anything that is beautiful, all morality. And what does this mean for us, brothers and sisters? It means that without Christ, you are in darkness. If you reject Christ, the Word, the Eternal One, the Divine, the Creator, the One who is the source of every good and perfect gift, if you reject Him, the end result is you will be blind. Without the One who gives you life, apart from your Creator, separate from God Himself. Do you see the preeminence of Christ in this passage? That He is far and away beyond a simple man. John saw Jesus Christ walk upon this earth. He heard the teaching of Christ he saw Christ preach, and he saw Christ upon the cross, dying for his sake. Yet John was able to proclaim, this Christ is preeminent. He is before all, above all, through all. All things were made through him. All things exist through him. Without him, there is no good thing. When you take of the Lord's Supper, brothers and sisters, you are not simply taking a meal. You are not simply eating of the bread and of the wine. You are proclaiming the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord over all. Christ deserves our humility, and Christ deserves our adoration. Conclusion, brothers and sisters, there are, yes, so many people who think Christ to be a wise person, a great teacher. They think they honor Christ by this, but he is far greater. They dishonor Christ when they speak of him simply as a great teacher and nothing more. They mock and cheer at him whom they think to honor. They call him a great teacher who taught the birds to fly, who teaches the stars their places, who gives the light of understanding to all men. 
they call him a prophet who sees the end from the beginning, who not only sees but foreordains, who places things where they are, who created and sustains all things. They call him a wise man who is wisdom itself, who is the Word. They call him King of the Jews, whose footstool is the earth, crowned with beauty and splendor, whose eyes are fire, whose tongue is as a double-edged sword, whose name is the Word of God, who has the kingdoms for his inheritance. Are you beginning to understand the glory of Christ? His preeminence. That when we proclaim Christ, we are proclaiming such a beautiful creature. Such a perfect one. This one that we worship. This one we name as Savior. This one whom we proclaim when we take the Lord's Supper. He's not some powerful king alone. He is the one deserving of all praise. This should teach us humility. This should teach us then when we take of the Lord's Supper or when we proclaim his name elsewhere, it should teach us to speak of him as Christ, the Word, the preeminent. Lord God, teach us to see Christ in his glory. Though the world does not see him, though he shines in the darkness, teach us, Lord, to proclaim Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, his preeminence until he returns. Let our lives be governed by this truth, Lord. Let us not live as though Christ is a simple, excuse me, a simple teacher, a simple wise man or kind person. Teach us to love Christ as the preeminent. In Jesus' name, amen.